Hey guys, welcome back to the Ace and Swish podcast, where we discuss all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Swish. And today we've got a new episode centered around the Western Conference and KD's tragic ankles reign. We couldn't record last week because I was too busy bemoaning the Celtics' pitiful Ugly, disgusting losses to the Nets and the Knicks. It was an utterly ridiculous weekend. Well, it looks like you guys are going to lose a top seed to the Bucks. I am thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this. It's always so refreshing to see those Celtics lose. Ugh. Anyway, let's get to the news that has dominated NBA circles. Kevin Durant's ankle injury. Durant injured his ankle during pregame warm-ups flipping on a wet spot. He's out for at least two to three weeks. What does this mean for the Suns going forward, Swish? Well, Ace, this is incredibly untimely and unfortunate. The Suns had already missed time to mesh with KD because of his MCL issue that extended past the trade deadline. And now KD might be out for the rest of the regular season if he doesn't come back in three weeks. If that happens... We only saw three games with KD on the Suns. Three games. That's it. Three really good games that made the Suns look like title contenders. Even if he plays more in the regular season, I'm just not sure how you're going to mesh a player as talented as KD into the system in the playoffs efficiently with so little experience. It seems almost infeasible. I think the Suns can do it. This is KD we're talking about. And Monty Williams, he's a great coach, and the team operated like a well-oiled offense machine when Katie was on the floor. But it's going to be difficult. Big, mid-season acquisitions are always risky because you don't have a lot of time to analyze if a player fits in with the roster, and you don't have a lot of games to create optimal chemistry. If you're weighing this season only, it's a historical risk when you consider the depth and talent the Suns gave up, and the fact that they were acquiring an injury-prone player in KD. Suns are going to be much worse for the time being, though. They gave up so many assets in that trade, and the forward depth looks depleted. With Joshua Kogi, Ace Wainwright, TJ Warren, and Terrence Ross are your best options, it's not an optimal situation to be in. I like those guys as rotational players, but they're not going to fill the void of Kevin Durant. And I bet the Suns are really wishing they had Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, or even Jay Crowder now. According to Tankathon, the Suns have the second hardest strength of schedule in their remaining games. Their opponents the rest of the way, they include a game against Milwaukee, two showdowns with Denver, a matchup with Philly, two contests against Sacramento, a game against Golden State, and a battle with the Clippers. Devin Booker is not going to be able to do all the heavy lifting in those matchups. Someone needs to step up, whether that's Aiton asserting himself, CP3 getting back into the rhythm, or bench contribution from the guys I just mentioned. They have a fourth spot in the Western Conference by three games, but if they slide, they could lose some playoff positioning and home court advantage. So yeah, Ace, to put it as simple as I can, this sucks for Phoenix. Swish, the Suns will make a decent playoff run, even though this is the order of the Celtics, not the order of the Phoenix. Shout out to the Harry Potter fans.
Kevin Durant might be out for the regular season, but he will be back in the playoffs. I do think the Suns' chemistry is better than the chemistry of the Nets, so they have a fair enough chance to win the title. Good point, but I do think the Suns are definitely going to go against history if they do win a title. Has there ever been this little time to integrate a player as talented as Kevin Durant into a new team? A more paramount question would be, has there ever been a better time for Chris Paul to win a championship? Anyway, let's dive a little bit deeper into the Western Conference hierarchy by analyzing the standings top to bottom. Let's start with the Denver Nuggets. Are they a top contender for the West wish? I think they are, Ace. They have a nice top to bottom roster with plenty of contributors across the board, versatility to roll out different lineups, a great coach in Mike Malone, and great camaraderie top to bottom. With a potential three-time MVP in Nikola Jokic, a generational offensive talent, the perfect guy to build a team because of his playmaking, spacing, post-game, and improved defense. They have guys that play well all of them in Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Tavis Carl Pope, and Aaron Gordon. They have perhaps the best home court advantage in the NBA because of the height of Denver that some players are uncomfortable playing. Their offensive attack is excellent. Their depth is rock solid. And I think they have several plus defenders in their lineup that can help them survive defensively in the playoffs. Just Gordon, Bruce Brown, and KCP. Denver is easily the Western Conference team that I can trust the most in the playoffs to make a final run. I really agree. Man, you're such a sports analyst. Of course the Denver Nuggets have the best offense in the league. I totally agree with that. Of course they have MVP talent in a huge depth. Of course. Of course they will destroy the Suns. Definitely not. The Suns have Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, a great coach, and Devin Booker. The Suns devour Nuggets for dinner. Disagree, Ace. You're devouring the Nuggets. I think Jokic is going to win a battle with DeAndre Ayton any day. Which will likely force the Suns to throw doubles at him, which in turn unlocks the Nuggets' offense because a lot of guys get more room to operate. I see Jamal Murray going on fire against a less than elite Suns perimeter defense. The Suns have enough. Oh, sorry. The Nuggets have enough defensive versatility to throw guys like Bruce Brown or KCP, both very good perimeter defenders, Augie Book, and Aaron Gordon on Kevin Durant. It'll definitely be a close series, though. If KD and the Suns are really in sync come playoff time, I can see this going seven games if it happens. Swish, I am not devaluing the Nuggets. I love the Nuggets. I know they're a title contender. I'm just saying that they aren't close to the talent that the Suns possess in that I doubt that Aaron Gordon can guard a talent like Kevin Durant and Jamal Murray won't be able to defeat the entire Sun perimeter defense. He's not the same as he was in the bubble. I disagree on the talent point, but fair enough, Ace. i definitely love to see that series as a band in the Western Conference playoffs. Yep, let's move on to the next team on the Western Conference standings, the Sacramento Kings. Looks like the Kings are going to make the playoffs for the first time in 17 long and arduous years. What a story. 
Man, I just gotta give a hat tip to Mike Brown. He's doing an excellent job with the Sacramento Kings roster. As a former Golden State assistant coach, he has implemented the Warriors-type movement scheme with the Kings, which has made Sacramento's offense one of the best in the league this season. Their personnel is perfect. Brown has shooters at his disposal, a big to build offense around his bonus, and slashing guard Indiana Fox who can also create offense in the system. The Kings finally found a suitable roster that could help them win regular season games and even potentially a playoff series. There are a couple things that prohibit the Kings from making the title run. One is their defense. Davion Mitchell is the only major plus perimeter defender I can think of at the moment in the Kings' backcourt. And Demonte Sabonis, while he tries hard, is a really good rebounder, is simply not an elite defensive anchor. If they face a team like, say, the Maps in the first round of the playoffs, they'd have trouble stopping Luka and Kyrie. They also don't have an elite primary creator or Thompson player, which is about mandatory for a title team to have. The Kings, they seem to have a pretty bright future with a good coach and some real foundational pieces. I hate to agree because I don't like those Kings. I don't want their losing record to continue, but instead, they come out acting like they're the Kings of the Court in 2023. For those of you who may be listening to this podcast a thousand of years from now, please tell me that the Kings have been bad throughout this millennium. Ugh. Anyway, let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies, the third seed who have been embroiled in controversy thanks to their star John Morant's actions and the few currently going on between Dillard Brooks and Draymond Green. Not to mention, Ace, their starting center, Stephen Adams, is likely out for the rest of the regular season, so that hurts you. Yep. Do you think the Grizzlies are still title contenders at this point? Well, talent-wise, I think the Grizzlies can be title contenders for potentially the next decade. They have the Twin Towers, some elite room protection in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Stephen Adams. They have a star player in John Morant has the potential to be a primary creator on a championship contending team. Desmond Bain is a really solid secondary dude that plays well all of them. Dylan Brooks has toughness and physicality on perimeter. They are shooting on the bench. One of the best backup point guards in the league is Tyus Jones. But man, they really need some maturity to match up with their talent. It all starts with Ja becoming more of a leader on this team, setting an example for the other guys. He needs to buy into the team in basketball and not focus on the external pressures and stress of being an NBA player. It's okay to have a rivalry with the Warriors, but man, I've never seen as many insults being thrown in such tenacious volume between two teams in my short time as an NBA fan. Because of the tension in Memphis, I don't have Memphis as a definitive title contender, but a possible one and definitely a title contender in the future. The next Decade? How you gonna say a team is gonna be good for the next 10 years? Oh, I could change. As long as they keep Ja, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., the core pieces who are signed long term, I think the Grizzlies, they're gonna be alright. They're all super young and talented. They barely hit their prime. I guess so. Let's move on to Los Angeles Clippers. They're the paper clips because they clip together an amazing roster. They have a shot at winning the championship because they are one of the best offensive teams in the league. They got Kawhi, 
a versatile athlete who finds a way to create space, and Paul George, who has averaged 20 points per game. As I predicted in our previous episode, despite the naysaying, Russell Westbrook has been doing pretty well with the Clippers. From what I've heard, starting the screen and accepting different roles within the offense. He has some dynamic playmaking to the Clippers lineup. The Clippers' depth, defensive flexibility, and offensive attack may make them the best team on paper. It's all about whether they stay healthy and show up for the playoffs, though. Agree. The Warriors are next. They aren't making it to the championship. Steph Curry can't stay healthy. Klay Thompson sucks. Draymond can't shoot. And Jordan Poole, in my opinion, Caleb's decision is when he passes the ball. The Warriors just didn't drop a follow on the podcast. Ooh, face. That's super harsh. You are officially crowned as a resident Warriors hater. Personally, I can't count the dubs out. They have a habit of figuring things out before the playoffs. And their issue this season has been they've been dominant at home, but abysmal on the road. It doesn't look that that's playing to their favor because they're not positioned to have home court advantage in the playoffs. I still trust in Steve Kerr if I was a Warriors fan. You know that they can defend better and get their offense in sync during the road games. But if they don't, those like the Warriors might have some problems in the playoffs. I'm crowned as a Warriors hater? Hooray! Where's my palace? Where are my crowns? Where are my civilians? Where are my anti-warriors and knights? Anyway, you're wrong, Swish. The Warriors are going to go out during the first round. It's the end of an era. The next team on our list is a rejuvenated Minnesota team. That has been playing great basketball recently. Yeah, the Timberwolves had been playing super well leading up to the deadline, and then they swapped D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, and have regressed to a four and five record after the trade deadline. Conley really hasn't proved himself a better investment than younger guard Russell, and they still haven't made up for the disastrous Gobert trade. Nonetheless, it's still really good coaching by Chris Finch. To make that, to make the Timberwolves a decent playing team, that is threatening to crack the top six in the Western Conference. And they have Carl Anthony Towns set to come back soon. I agree. In my opinion, they will win the play in. The Dallas Mavericks are the A seed in the Western Conference, trying to avoid the play in. Luka Doncic is going to play through some pain in his left thigh. Assuming the Mavs do run away into the playoffs, how far do you think their playoff run can extend? Well, I think they can go past the first round, but against elite teams like the Suns, Clippers, or Nuggets, I think they'll lose in the playoffs. The Mavs have, to have an excellent offensive attack and two of the best offensive players in the game. Defense is a whole other story, though. They lost the best clean defender in Dorian Finney-Smith and simply don't have the personnel to stop the elite primary Initiators of the Western Conference. I'm thinking about guys like Jokic, Kawhi, Steph. If they're going to succeed with Luka and Kyrie as their backcourt, they'll need a lot more defense in their lineup. Of course they will lose in the playoffs. Their defense is just too horrible to be a title team. Maybe next year, though. Let's move on to the terrible 
despicable Los Angeles Lakers, who have shockingly started playing well. Swish, do you think this is going to translate into a contending roster? It might actually translate to some playoff success. Only if AD keeps falling the way he is now. They've effectively built the offense around him. He plays the way he's been playing with LeBron James coming back to the lineup. The Lakers have a shot. This version of AD is a dominant defender, great post player, and aggressive. He's just going to need to stay healthy, but I think the Lakers have a shot if he does. They have the capable tertiary grade of D'Angelo Russell. Jared Vanderbilt has popped his energy, sticky playmaking, and defensive versatility. Malik Beasley's added more shooting. I'm starting to like this Lakers roster. I think they might make some noise in the playoffs. Maybe that doesn't translate to a title. Maybe somehow it does. The Lakers have capitalized on an awesome trade deadline and been playing great basketball as of late. This is just proof that AD and LeBron shouldn't be playing next to each other. LeBron takes away from AD's talents, man. He's way better off solo. Well, man, I would say way better. I would. <laughs> but I need to see the Lakers continuing to run the offense around AD while LeBron is in the lineup. Then, this team can be optimized. Alright, let's move on to the 10th seed and the final playing team, the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans have struggled since Zion Williamson's hamstring injury in January. And now, Brandon Ingram was diagnosed with a right ankle sprain yesterday. Yeah, this is heavily unfortunate considering the Pelicans, one of the teams I was super optimistic about, Heading into this season. It's a shame Zion's career has been tainted by injury after injury after injury. So the talent just keeps getting inevitably hurt. So playing with today, I wouldn't expect the Pelicans to do much considering the way the Lakers are playing and to do with the Mavericks in form. They might fall into playing with how close these standings are. Alright, let's quickly end this part with the five final teams in the Western Conference. The Jazz, the Thunder, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, and the Rockets. Swish, give us your thoughts on these teams. The Jazz have had an exciting season despite the fact they regressed a bit from their early season start. They learned about, a bit about their roster and their main core pieces this season. This at least helped them get into the lottery, a better position, and a draft, which I think Danny Ainge wants. The Thunder... Still have a really great talent in SDA, but are obviously Shagos Alexander, but are obviously tanking. I think next year might be the year for them to be a playing team once Jet Home returns. The Trailblazers are still wasting Vegas Prime. Well, that's all I can say. The Spurs are still pretty bad. We always have to wonder at the end of the season if Greg Popovich will retire. And the Rockets have still been one of the worst teams in the entire NBA. I think their coach, Steve Asias, is going to get fired this year because they are simply abysmal. Alright, let's wrap up this podcast. We're going to have a bonus episode after Selection Sunday about March Madness. Make sure to check that out before you guys fill out your bracket. Oh, and make sure to drop a follow for us. Thank you for listening.